This past week, I had the honor to serve as a, as a chaperone for a class trip that Tyler's school took. It was a long trip. Uh, it was a certainly an educational trip. This wasn't just a for fun thing. They saw stopped at all sorts of historical places and museums, uh, learned lots of things. Some places I had been to before, uh, the Oklahoma City Memorial as one of them, still a powerful uh, place to go. Uh, and of some places I had never been to before, the Arabia Steamboat Museum and the story behind that. Fascinating. Learned a lot. And really, uh, my job was effectively to make sure that we left each stop with the same number of teenagers that we started with, uh, which sounds like a simple task, unless you've ever been uh, given the job of herding cats and you understand the, the challenge that that can be. But I guess they were really a, a wonderful group of uh, ladies and gentlemen, truly impressed by the caliber of these uh, teenagers, uh, some of them getting ready to fly the nest and some of them a few years out, but all of them high caliber students, really a great trip. And as we were on that trip... I was thinking about uh, the message for today. Um, the message that I've simply called Stay Anchored. This trip was quite long. We went, left Wichita, went out to Oklahoma City, uh, ventured out toward Arkansas, came up through Missouri, then over to Kansas City, and then down south. So it was kind of a, a giant loop. And we went a lot of places. And no matter where we went, no matter what we did, uh, I always knew that our ultimate destination was home, was Wichita. Uh, for me, uh, over on Yosemite Street, for you somewhere else. It occurred to me that maybe that kind of an, uh, analogy would be something that would resonate with you all this morning. You and I are all on a journey, uh, the journey of life, and you will go lots of places. You will see lots of things. Uh, some of you are closer to flying the nest than others, but eventually uh, we are all going home. I read a quote this week uh, that every tick of the clock draws us one second closer uh, to a divinely set appointment with our Creator. And no matter where you go or how you spend your time on earth, uh, you will not escape that appointment. And so my message this morning to you is one of a reminder of some things that you need to stay anchored in. Our anchor text this morning will he be Hebrews chapter 6. In the middle of... Hebrews chapter 6, and, and we've talked about a little about Hebrews before. Uh, the, the whole point of Hebrews is writing, uh, to, the, the author is addressing Christians who uh, were Hebrews, who came out of Judaism, and are maybe somewhat tempted to go back to that, to go back to uh, their roots and, and not stay faithful to Christ. And so the author is really making a, a brilliant case um, about the importance of how the law led us to Christ and how all of these things were pointing to Christ. 
We won't go in that in detail, but in chapter 6, starting verse 13, uh, my, my text has a non-inspired uh, section heading that says, The Certainty of God's Promise. This is starting in verse 13, if you're following along. For when God made a promise, since no, he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. The first point that the author makes is we consider our journey uh, and our, the necessity of remaining grounded and anchored is to stay anchored in his promises. To stay anchored in the promises of God. Now, you've probably heard the uh, long favorite preacher's story of the Bible that had been marked all throughout the Old Testament and New with two simple letters, P-K. P-K. Now, for people like Steve Tandy and Tyler Levering, P-K means preacher's kid. But in this story, P-K meant something different. P.K. meant, very simply, promised. Promise kept. And the person who owned this Bible, every time uh, they would go through a prophecy or a prediction or, or some time when God's people were promised something that they didn't yet have, they would write the words, promise kept, because they had read farther in the book. May we may remember that God keeps his promises. I, I want to encourage you to go to Joshua chapter 23. It's just one example of many. Of you know, every single Bible character, every person of faith, man and woman, I'm convinced, is a person that we know because they believed in this simple premise that God always keeps his promise. A person of faith lives on the simple premise that God always keeps his promise. Yesterday, we had a a celebration of life for Wayne Williams. Now, many of you probably may or may, maybe you've heard the name Wayne Williams, but didn't know Wayne Williams. Uh, Wayne's what I would call an old-time Northsider, a long-time Northsider. But, But Wayne Williams is probably the singular reason why Know Your Bible began at Northside. And Steve shared that yesterday at the service, for those of you who missed it. But Wayne lived by faith in the simple premise that God always keeps his promise. And and all great people of faith do that at some point. And we are in Joshua chapter 23, if you've turned there. And this is at the end of Joshua's life. Now remember, he had to fill the shoes of Moses. He was the one responsible for taking the promised land that Moses only received the promise. He didn't actually get to walk in the promise. But Joshua walked in the promise. He saw the lands. He saw the people. He saw the goodness and the glory of the Lord. And as he gets toward the end of his life and the changing, the handing off of one leader to another, he says this and. Verse 14, he says, Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one 
word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will also bring upon you all the evil things that until he has destroyed you from this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from the good land that he has given to you. Joshua, at the end of his life, saw the fulfillment of God's promises. He knew that God was faithful to his word. Now, Joshua's Bible wouldn't have been as nearly as long as ours, but for the, the scrolls that he did have, he certainly could have written, I don't know what the Hebrew is for PK, but he certainly could have written, God kept his promise again and again. Don't you know, as Moses told him those stories of the patriarchs and his people and calling them out of Egypt, that Joshua saw the fulfillment of the promise and he knew that God be faithful. God would be faithful. Joshua knew that you can trust him. And he held on to that promise. Every single person of faith from the ancients to today must at some level come to this realization. The question is, can you trust the Lord God Almighty? Noah had to ask himself as he swung the first wooden mallet, to build a giant ark in a land where, as far as we know, there had been no rain as of yet. It would not come for nearly another century. Does God keep his promise? Abraham, as he was in years long past the season of childbearing, was promised a son, promised descendants as numerous as the sand and the, sea and the stars. And Abraham had to ask, as God promised him, does God keep his promise? Moses had to ask himself, as he, just a, a shepherd, was called to lead his people, God's people, out of Egypt toward a promise, he had to ask himself, does God keep His promise. You and I have to ask ourselves the same thing. A a, a word from Romans chapter 15, if you're following along and are taking notes. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. This occurred to me, one of the reasons why our daily Bible reading is so, so important. It's been a little while since we've talked about the daily Bible reading, but I, I, I wanted to give you this word from Romans 15. Because it reminds us of why. It's not just about checking off boxes on a list. It's not just about going through, you know, I did that, I did that, I did that. There's a purpose behind it. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. The writer Paul writes this. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance... And through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have 
We have hope today in a pretty hopeless world. Jeff talked about this. I mean, all of the stuff going on in the world. How in the world can we have hope through the encouragement and the endurance of the Scriptures? And, And if you're not in this book every day, if you're just waiting once a week for a book report from me, you're missing out on a beautiful reminder again and again and again that God always keeps his promise. He did then, he does today, and and he will tomorrow. God is faithful. We can stay anchored in his promises, and we need to do that. Second, going back now to Hebrews chapter 6, our anchor text. We're now in verses 17 and following of Hebrews chapter 6. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope he set before us. You see, first we understand that we need to stay anchored in God's promises. Second, we need to stay anchored in God's purposes. Some people believe that the Bible is all about them. And they believe that because false teachers teach that. They make nearly every story in this book about you, about your trials. David slayed his giants, so you're going to slay your giants. And and God just wants you to be happy. Some people get into the prosperity gospel. God wants your life to be a blessing and and to have health and wealth. And if you don't have those things, you don't have the blessing of God. And, And they just take every story and they turn it into a very myopic, very self-centered, very me-centered gospel. If you're of that belief, may I gently encourage you that the Scriptures are not about you at all, except the fact that you and I have a problem, and that is we are unholy, that our sin separates us from a holy God. And this book addresses that problem. And the answer is Jesus the Christ. And from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through Revelation 21 is, is pointing toward one singular solution of the problem of man. And that is the Savior from God. Turn to Romans chapter 8. It's a rather longer section, so I'll encourage you to follow along, turn there or scroll there, however you get there. Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. The Bible says a lot about suffering. And certainly suffering for being a Christian. Jesus promised that, in fact. The world hated me, they're going to hate you. 
We're promised suffering. That's, that's not, people who follow God's ways are not promised a, a life free of trial and tribulation and difficulty. But he says the, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we await our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. (laughs) For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, and he's talking here about hanging on and, and remaining faithful and, and remembering the promises of God and not, not letting the, 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 the sufferings and the difficulties of your life distract you. Verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we, uh, as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now verse, verse 28. And so, back up here. First he says, listen, the sufferings are going to be bad, but the glory is going to be greater. He says, verse 26 and 27, you've got help. The Spirit who dwells within you to help you, even in times when you know you should pray, but you just don't have the words. The Spirit is with you, the helper from God, the friend of God. And verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Now, now some people stop there because this is back to that me-centered gospel. All things worked for my good. Things are going to work out for me. I'm going to get that promotion. I'm going to get that raise. I'm going to get that house. I'm, I'm going to get those things that I want because all things work together for good. Finish the verse. For those who are called according to his purpose... May we not be so terribly concerned about our purpose. May we be greatly concerned with His purpose. Because His purposes are greater than my purposes. His plans are greater than my plans. His perspective far outweighs my own. So when it comes to our purpose, a lot of people talk, what's your purpose in life? What's God's calling on your life? Ignore all of that. Maybe ask yourself in question, am I aligned with God's purpose? 
I say God's purposes are sometimes hard. Yeah, sometimes. But they're far, far better. And we not focus on, our, on just our own good, but on God's good, on God's purposes, on what God wants for us. In Isaiah 55, he told the, the, the people, the prophet Isaiah said, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. So may we stay anchored in his purposes and not our purposes. There's a song and there's a line in that song where it says, life is what happens while you're making other plans. I've always pondered about that. It's kind of true. You, you make plans about how life's going to go and you kind of think linearly. You think things are the same now and they'll be the same then. And if I do these number of actions, then I'll be from here to there. But, but life happens in the middle. And all the while you're making You're making you're making your plans, and you're ignoring God's. Just so I can set this within you, can I can I ask you to repeat after me? We haven't done this in a while. Repeat after me. His purposes are greater than my purposes. His plans are greater than my plans. May we take the John the Baptist attitude. Remember in John the Baptist, John chapter 3, verse 30. John's been this amazing preacher and prophet. People, crowds went out to see him. I mean, he was building quite a number of, of followers. He had full houses and... He had disciples and all of that. And all of a sudden, the, the crowd started to dwindle as people began to go off to see Jesus. And, and John was okay with that. And in verse 30 of John chapter 3, John, record, John the Apostle records what John the Baptist said. He said, one translation, not the ESV, but he must become greater, I must become less. I've always loved the humility of, of John. Because John the Baptist's view was his purposes are greater than my purposes. And if that means I become less, so be it. Praise be the name of the Lord. So may we stay anchored in his promises. Secondly, may we stay anchored in his purposes. And finally, may we stay anchored. Well, let's read verses 19 and 20 of Hebrews chapter 6. We have this, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, becoming a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Man, what he does here is just profound. He says, we've got a hope, steadfast and secure, that anchors the soul. And that hope is nothing of this world. No, our hope came from heaven to earth. 
to show the way. The writer of Hebrews says he's the high priest who went into the Holy of Holies. If you understood the history, you understood that was a one-time event. And it took place very carefully because an unholy human being was stepping in the presence of a holy God. And to do that was this whole litany of sanctification and purification that had to happen for that to happen one time. And Jesus becomes the higher high priest, if I could say that, who goes behind to intercede for us. And then he points all the way back to Melchizedek, who was a priest who was not from the uh, Jewish law. He was a priest uh, even before that of the patriarchal age. We don't know much about Melchizedek. Uh, we get that question a lot of Know Your Bible. Who is Melchizedek? And the answer is, we don't really know. Okay, but, but, but he was a priest. Abraham gave him a tithe. He was a holy man of God. He was a pri- And so he points through all of these uh, uh, ages to the, to the holy one who would come, who would intercede between God and man. And then he says, we have this hope, steadfast and secure, who anchors the soul. That would be Jesus. May we stay anchored in him. You would expect a preacher to say, stay anchored in Jesus. That probably doesn't surprise you. Turn to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is, uh, as you might surmise, a book of lamenting. It's kind of a depressing book. You don't read it when you're in a bad mood. Okay, I wouldn't suggest it. Maybe. Because it reminds us that God's promises and God's purposes are consistent regardless of our situation. Uh, if we're, if you're following along, Romans, uh, excuse me, Lamentations chapter three, verse seventeen. I'm going to read Romans. Oh, my goodness, I've been in Romans so much. <laughs> Lamentations chapter three. And as I read, I want you to do something. If you're honest and if you're brave and if you're willing to do it, when I read something that you can say. Oh, yeah, I've been there. I just want you to say, been there. You can say it out loud, okay? Let's practice together. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. And so is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. And so as you read through just that that small section there, if you're a human and you've been alive more than a few years, at some point we've all been there. But don't stop there. Look at verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning, great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him.
The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The salvation of the Lord, you might read as God's going to rescue me from and bring me peace and bring me hope and fill me with joy, and he may. But if he never does those things, he's still fulfilled every single promise in Christ Jesus. Because you can have all of that in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus alone. In the storms of life, Jesus the Christ is the only anchor that holds When the wind and the waves are rocking your boat, I ask you, is your anchor secure? When the storms and the turmoil, will they seem to nearly capsize your life or sink you in despair? I ask you, is your soul anchored in Christ? For those I love dearly, I've been asking a question more often, especially to those that I love dearly in Christ, and it is this question. How is it with your soul? I know that's not a surface level question, that's not how are you doing, how's the weather, but it's a question that I think is important. And because I preach this from a place of deep love for all of you, I ask the same question this morning. How is it with your soul? I'm not worried about pandemics. The world's had lots of those and it may have many more. I'm not worried about financial woes. I believe the promise is still that he will take care of the birds and we're worth more than many sparrows. I'm not worried about sickness or trials or hardship or even death because we're promised all of those. What I want to know is, how is it with your soul? Is it anchored? Is it anchored firmly in his promises? In every single promise given in this holy book? Is it anchored knowing that God was faithful then? He's faithful now. He'll be faithful tomorrow. Is it anchored in His purposes? Not your purposes. Not what you want. Not what your plans are. But what God's plans are. What God's purposes are. And is it anchored in Christ? Is it anchored in the Ancient of Days? This morning, if your soul is not anchored, if it's tossed about by the wind and the waves of the world, if it's torn in stress, if it's anxious, if it's nervous, if it's fearful and afraid, I'd like to pray with you. Our shepherds would like to pray with you. 
We want to help you be anchored. If you've never put on Christ in obedience to what he commanded, to believe and be baptized, and you're not anchored, and there's a great storm coming, and you must be prepared. So may you be anchored firmly in his promises, his purposes, and in his son. And if you're not this morning, I hope that you're ready to do something about it. As we sing this next song, we're going to stand. If you have a need, want to pray with me, pray with one of our shepherds. If you'd like to to anchor your soul in Christ, you can make that happen. Simply go to the back, one of the doors. We'll be there to help you, to guide you. My question this morning remains, how is it with your soul? Think about that answer as we sing this song.